You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 8.30 or 10.45. Find out more at asburybosier.org. We start a new worship series today called Reboot, and it is, that's what it means. It's to press the power button. It is to reboot our time together here at Asbury with with new ministries, uh, new ways of, of outreach Uh, new understandings of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It's been quite a year and a half uh, here at Asbury. Started with bats in January, if you remember, uh, and then COVID, and then coming out of COVID. And then we have this idea of rebooting all these small groups coming back and back to school and mask mandates. We're hanging in there, friends. (laughs) We're hanging in there. But we are. We're pressing the power button to not restart, but to reimagine how we are being called into service in our city and across our world. And it starts with reading that day when Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Uh, A quick word, uh, Pastor Susan is just fine. Uh, She's on vacation uh, and she will be away uh, for a couple of weeks. So prayers uh, for uh, traveling mercies for her and Ronnie uh, as, as they Return. So I invite you to join with me uh, as we turn to our scripture lesson today, Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, also verses 37 through 47. It'll be on the screen, it'll be online, and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, on your sons and your daughters, They shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And then verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized And that day, about 3,000 people were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and their goods and distribute them to all who had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and they ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and living and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Your young shall see visions and your old shall dream dreams. Every time I go back to this text, it becomes even more confusing of which category I'm supposed to be in, right? 
Uh, it's back to school Sunday. My son Robert, who is five years old, is going to kindergarten. And that's so exciting. He got a new Super Mario backpack and he's going to be eating in the cafeteria and it couldn't be more cool for him. Now, having a child that goes to kindergarten sounds like a youngish deal where I should be like having visions of the future. But then I also dropped my oldest daughter off at high school freshman orientation, which sounds like an oldish kind of thing to do. At least when I was in high school, my parents were old and kind of dumb and they never understood and they never got it. So, yes. Oh, what is it? Hosea 8, 7 that says you, you, reap, uh, you plant to the wind and you reap the, the whirlwind. Is that what that is? I think we're about to reap some whirlwind uh, in my family. Visions and dreams, old and young. Visions looks to the future, dreams remembers the past. And the miracle of the Pentecost is to remind us that we need both. We need our history. We need our tradition. We need to stand on the wisdom who have, of those who have gone before us. We should dream dreams of what has gone before us. But it also reminds us that, reminds us that we are to also have visions, to also look forward, to, stay, to take a step and have the courage to take a step forward, building on what we have inherited. As followers of Christ, we are called to dream and remember the past while also visioning and projecting toward the future. Now, you can call it ancient modern, which is kind of one of the sayings that's going around. That's kind of this ancient modern idea of church. Uh, you could also call it traditioned innovation, which another is one of those, if you read all the big fancy articles, and that kind of, traditioned innovation is another. Or you can simply call it Pentecost, right? This is the miracle of Pentecost. When, when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples and it said something like the sound of a, of a rush of a violent wind, they almost didn't have the words to explain what it was. And something like tongues of fire was dancing on the apostles. And curiously, everyone who was there heard the word of God in a language that they could understand. So it's not the case that the Holy Spirit came and gave them a new and different language that everyone had to go to seminary to understand. No, the Holy Spirit offered to them their own native language tongue, and not just a tongue that they could understand or a language that they could understand. It was a native tongue. It was something personal. to them. It's kind of like the kind of language you use in your own living room instead of out in the world, right? And I know, I know, I know what you say in your living room isn't necessarily what you say at the supermarket. I understand that. When it says native tongue, it's that intimate language that you've learned from a parent in your own living room. That's the kind of language that the Holy Spirit gifted to the apostles. It's ancient. It's established. It is traditioned. It's familiar. But then God was doing something new and pouring out the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. That's new. That's an innovation. If God can be innovative, that's an innovation. In other words, in the history of Scripture, up until this point, there, there has been a Noah and a Moses uh, and, and a Sarah and a Miriam and these prophets and kings and judges and leaders who were channels of this Holy Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, God pours out the Holy Spirit on all of the believers. This is the new. This is the courage. This is the, this is the challenge of this day of Pentecost. 
God is doing not a reboot, but certainly pressing the power button on what the church is to become. Jesus is no longer there in the flesh, so they need the power of the Spirit to go out in the world, to have the power of God to heal, to teach, to serve, to go to all corners of the world. This power, whether you call it ancient, modern, traditioned innovation, or just say it's what Pentecost is. Pentecost is dreaming in your native tongue while innovating what is about to happen through which Christ will be revealed for the salvation of all. I'll say that again. (laughs) Pentecost is dreaming in your native tongue envisioning what is about to happen through which Christ will be revealed for the salvation of all. Ancient, modern, traditioned innovation. The other really cool thing about visions and dreams is that they don't carry the same kind of baggage as things that we do when we're alive and waking and walking around. Things like money or time or boundaries. We say things in the church like you cannot serve both God and money but both God and money seem to be co-chairs of every committee uh, in, in, in the church. We sometimes hem ourselves in even before we're able to dream according to the Holy Spirit. It's like when couples come uh, for premarital counseling. Uh, if, if you get married in the church, we have three sessions to talk about what, what that means. What does that mean to live with another human being for the rest of your life? Let's, let's talk about it, right? One of the things I ask them is, if you had a day all to yourself, what would you do? And it's either hunting or reading a book or staying at home, Netflix or something, you know. And I say, oh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. What would you do if you had all the time and all of the money and you could be anywhere you needed to be? Oh, well then, then they start to dream. Exactly. Well, Jesus is calling you for a dream right now, Paul. He's ready. So we take these barriers. Yeah, I'm not, I don't tell couples like, well, don't worry about money. Don't worry about finance. No, no, no. But I want you to dream. I want you to have a vision. I don't want your first stumbling block to be, well, we don't have time to do that. Or we don't have money to do, to do that. Or we don't have the leadership to do that. Dream. The Holy Spirit didn't ask them permission. The Holy Spirit didn't ask them for an inventory of what they couldn't do. Your old will dream dreams, your young will have visions. And then it said they were all in awe of what was happening. To be in awe. They were so in awe that they asked Peter, Peter, you know Peter's story, right? Peter who got everything right, who never messed up, who never spoke out of turn, right? No, Peter, Rocky, right? He's Rocky of the apostles, right? You know, that's what his name means, Rock, Rocky, yo, you know? They asked Peter, Peter, what are we supposed to do? We have this, oh, this power of the Holy Spirit. What are we supposed to do? First thing he says is repent. Turn around. That's what repentance means. It means to turn around, to go another way, Right? He doesn't say repent of fill in the blank or what, which I find super interesting, right? He doesn't doesn't say, okay, repent from 
playing the bass guitar because it's the easiest instrument ever. Uh, you know, repent from, you know, the backpack that you have because it has Mario, Super Mario on it. Repent. For, he says, just repent and be baptized in the person of Jesus to turn around. In other words, he's inviting them to fill in that blank. Because Peter knows and they know from which they need to turn. Repentance from the tangible uh, is, can be easy, easier contextually, right? Whoa, geez, sorry, scared myself. <laughs> Too much coffee. <laughs> Lay off the caffeine. For example, like put the cupcake down, right? I have a mirror, I am aware, put the cupcake down, right? It's tangible, right? That's easy, right? Or let's raise the stakes. Put down the bottle. Or pick up a book. Or put down the work in the office because your children miss you. Right? There are some of these tangible things. Repent. Put it down. Put it down. And if it's tangible, it's easy. You, see, you keep putting cupcakes down, you know, you start feeling better about yourself, right? You know, that kind of a thing. The problem is repentance is not just of the tangible, it is also of the mind. To repent intellectually, to re repent spiritually, to repent of the things that we think we understand and that we know. So beauty of Pentecost is that the rules of how we understand how God works is, is just being flexed. And they stand in awe. What do we do? Turn around, repent, let's follow the Holy Spirit. Right? To repent of ideas. For example, uh, came in this morning uh, and our air conditioners are like pumping. Tis the season. They are pumping extra hard right now. Right? Uh, and I came in this morning and it was warm. It was really warm. And I was like, oh, great. You know, and I, I was sweating. The 830 service has the Darth Vader robe and, and, and wear a tie and like, Ugh, just kind of, you know. But, but then, but then I, 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 I remember, you know, two years ago we were in Cuba and there were people who were walking two miles one way to go to an open air hut to gather for worship. Repent. Where's your head, man? Where's, it's hot in the sanctuary. I can't. And I've seen people walk miles to gather for worship. Ah, change your thinking, man. Come on. Repent. And the repentance that has to happen up here and up here is often harder. Right? Because we know the story. We know the roadmap. We know what we like. But then Jesus plays with the roadmap and the things that we like and the things that we expect. Like on Palm Sunday. Right? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and he's riding on a beast of burden into the eastern gate, right? And, and they, they, they've know, they've, they know this. this is, Jesus is not the first person to have done this, right? Uh, when they see Jesus riding on the donkey, they know scripture. So they went and got the palm branches, which were already at the house. Like they didn't go into the fields and cut them down and bring them back. They had them because tis the season. It was the high religious point of the day. Someone is riding into the town with a donkey. Oh, this guy thinks he's the Messiah. Okay, go get the palm branches. They get the palm branches, shake them. Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus keeps going. Jesus then 
speaks truth to power. He pushes back against the Pharisees. And the Pharisees say, you need to tell your followers to cut it out and to be quiet. The Romans are going to get mad. They're going to kick us out. And Jesus says, if my followers are quiet, the stones themselves are going to ring out and sing out. And it's, when you look at the reference of that in the Old Testament, it is an indictment against the Pharisees. So then Jesus then gets to the temple and then gets to the money-changing tables because the formula is you, if you are the Messiah, if you're making a statement in the first century, you ride a beast of burden into the eastern gate, you speak truth to power, you go to the temple, you go to the money-changing table, and then you purchase a sacrifice and make a sacrifice on behalf of the people so that the people will support you in your claim to messiahship. So here's Jesus on the day of, Pente- on, on the day of uh, Palm Sunday, or as what, what we call Palm Sunday, right? Beast of burden, check. Enter into the eastern gate, check. Speak truth to power, check. Go to the temple, check. Go to the money changing tables, check. Turn them over and run them out. What? The short-sightedness of the people, what they they didn't understand, and we've had 2,000 years to chew on this, is that Jesus wasn't there to purchase a sacrifice so that people would support him in his messiahship. Jesus was the sacrifice so that they might know the sacrificial love of God. And when we come against these things, uh, we're sometimes filled with awe. We're sometimes filled with wonder. And I love it. There's this little tiny verse in here. Uh, so that those, verse 41, I love this, those who welcomed Peter's message were baptized. That means that some didn't on that day because it didn't follow the roadmap. It didn't follow what the expectation was. Sometimes Jesus surprises us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Repent, put it down, listen to the power of the Holy Spirit. What do we do? What do we do, Peter? And then it says the very next thing, after repenting and, and claiming Jesus as their own, it says that they, they, they learned from the apostles. They learned from, the, they studied. Being a disciple fundamentally means to be a student of, and it's perfect on back to school Sunday, to be a student of Jesus, to be a student of this movement. And they listened to the apostles. They didn't listen to a friend of a friend of a friend who saw an article on Facebook. They listened to the apostles and what their teaching was. Again, the apostles were not right 100% of the time. They were human, right? And it's Peter who's leading them. Do I need to remind you again of Peter's story, right? But at least they had a three-year program where they were with Jesus and talked with Jesus and listened. They often didn't get it, but here's the power of the Holy Spirit working with regular people. And they listened to the teaching of the apostles. And then they broke bread with one another with what? Glad and generous hearts. Where are our glad and generous hearts. We seem quite angry with everything. Glad and generous hearts, they broke bread with one another. A sign of the Holy Spirit, it is. And then it said, you know, what's the fruit of this movement of the Holy Spirit? It says that they held everything in common. They sold all of their goods, they held everything in common, and they met everyone's needs. Now, before I... This is not the apostles starting a new ism, okay? This is not global economic policy here. What it does mean is that they were living for each other. 
they had made a commitment to live, to be, to be a sacrifice of holy living for each other. You need something, I will be there. And guess what? I'm going to be in need as well. And I need you, brother, sister, to be there in my need as well. Sometimes we read too much in that, like they're starting an ism. They're start, you know, they, or it's like the monks, the monks do this, right? The Benedictine monks do this down in um, Covington, Louisiana. Uh, they, they have everything in common. And because their saying is, the happy monk is the one who has the keys for the one car that they have there, that they go, you know, so they share everything. But this isn't the establishment of an ism, right? It is, it, is, it is a biblical and beautiful way of they were living for each other. What do you need? How can I help? As I heard in seminary, we had a guest, we had a guest speaker. His name is Shane Claiborne, uh, for those of you who, who, who knew Shane, who know Shane. Uh, and he came and spoke to seminary. And uh, he, when, he, when he got there, and I was, oh, I shouldn't. Someone who, okay, I did it. So Shane was there, and Shane got there, and he opened up this brand new beautiful laptop. So Shane lives in, in community, uh, uh, like monastic living. It's called the new monasticism. He lives in community in urban settings and talks of a big game of, of justice and, and living you know, with the poor and being in, in, in ministry with the poor. So he comes in, and he's giving us this presentation, and he opens this beautiful MacBook. So I, being a snot-nosed, I'm glad a lot has changed, but so I got up and, well, <laughs> Shane, <clears throat> it's a mighty fine, your MacBook is twice as expensive as mine. How do you get off with a, with a MacBook, living in community? Come on. And he just kind of chuckled and said, yeah. Well, it's not whether or not I have a fancy MacBook to do presentations. It's whether or not I'm brave enough to sell it when my brother can't afford his medicine. I feel you. They made a commitment to live for each other by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we start to put our neighbor's needs in front of ours, we begin to understand things like Palm Sunday and why Jesus did what he did. We begin to understand what the cross is about. Jesus wasn't there to purchase the sacrifice so that the people followed him. He was the sacrifice so the people knew who God was. And the prayer at the beginning of this visions and, 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 uh, uh, and dreams of, of, of reboot is how we might also press the power button on living for one another and those who have not yet called Asbury home, but soon will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this power of the Holy Spirit. And yes, we do stand in awe of what this power is. What should we do? How do we turn toward you? Give us the courage to live for one another. To put the, the needs of our neighbors even before our own. And especially this week as, as lots of kids and teachers and administrators and parents go back to school and what it might mean for 2021 and 2022, Father, may you offer a double portion of your presence to those who are serving, to those who are teaching, to those who are learning, to those who are supporting, and may they all know that the church is there and ready and willing 
for our hands and feet to be in the business of keeping our children safe and also renewing their minds. So be with us as we gather. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.